You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, Life in Christ, we walk through 1 John, written to the church for our joy, our holiness, and our assurance. And everybody's wondering, how is Joe going to tie that into 1 John? (laughs) So that video is a video made by a game um, video game, you know, video game reviewer um, in England, and that video has been viewed over 100. I mean, that video is 28 minutes long. We, we weren't going to do that, um, but that video has been viewed 120 million times. 120 million times. This video that someone created. Just as they created content, as they reviewed videos, um, the different video games that are out, over 120 million times. I've been been fascinated about the idea of how um, so many people are now monetizing, making money as they create content, right? They, they teach people things, they do fun things like this, and they just make goofy videos, but how... The, they, they give their time and energy and, and all of their effort into creating content um, that everyone, you know, they're hoping that it goes viral like this one and you get 120 million views. Who knows how much YouTube has paid this gentleman for this one video. But notice that it's, it's this idea that you're, you're putting yourself out there, that you're creating content. This is exactly what social media feeds into, right? We have our Facebooks and we have our Instagrams and we have this thing happening where we're always putting out there to the world, this is the story that's happening in my life. This is the story that's happening in my life. And in many ways, that kind of feeds into uh, what this content creator did. This is his life. He, he uh, you know, he looks at video games and he, he writes, uh, do, does short videos about them and, and different things like that. But, but it's amazing that, that something in us is compelling us to tell a story. Something in us is telling us that something's going on that, that I need to tell some story either about my life or what's going on here or what the cat did or what the dog did or, or what my kids are doing. But, but something in us is, is saying that, man, there's a story happening that, that, I, that needs to be told. Right? The, the unfortunate thing that every single person that puts their things out on YouTube and, and different things like that, and even some of us even have experienced this where we put things out and no one, oh no, no one's pushed the like button, right? That, that everything that these folks are creating online and, and many of us with our content is, is all based on man's approval. And, and what John's going to show us today is the love of God has nothing to do with man's approval. It has nothing to do with you working towards him loving you. That, that's why we read the Deuteronomy passage where, where God told Israel, it's like, there's nothing in you that made me love you. I just loved you. But what, what if there is something inside of us that's this, this pushing us to tell these stories? That there's something that maybe by design within us, that, that there's a story that we need to be telling. There's a story that we're, we're compelled to tell that we just get sidetracked by telling all these other different stories. 
And I think that even this first century book and this author, John, can actually help us to see that today. He can help us to see that today. Now, we will have to wait to the end of the sermon to see how this might all tie together. But I think there's an answer to the question, and it's an interesting one. It's one that John is calling all of us sitting here today to be invited into. And it's up to you today whether you'll take that step towards what he's inviting us into. Again, as we continue through our journey of 1 John, we come to a subject that John has already brought about to our attention two other times. Uh, The subject of love, and specifically loving one another. In chapter 2, we were given the command to love, right? This is the command that I give you, love God and love one another. That's the command that he was reminding us of. And then in chapter 3, he just simply said, would you love one another? So he's, he's calling us to love one another in these passages here. And in, in 1 John 4, 7 through 12 is where we will be today. Again, just to refresh your memory that, that John's writing this so that, that we may be assured of our salvation. He's, he's given us many different tests, specifically three over the time together that we've spent in 1 John. The first test that he gave us for the assurance to, to understand that I am a child of good God, I am born again, right? What is the, the first test? The first test is, do you obey me? Do you obey what I have commanded you to do, do you obey me? And the, the second test is okay, do you believe in Christ? Do you believe in the right Jesus? Remember all the different passages where he's, he's talking to us? Like last week, we talked about false prophets, false prophets that were teaching about the wrong Jesus. So, this is the two tests that he's given us. And the third test is do you love? Do you obey? Do you believe in the right Jesus? Do you love? This is what John's letter is asking of us in order to point us to our insurance. Because if we can say yes to those things, then there's a pretty good idea that we are his children. We know that, again, that John is writing this letter to believers. This is his audience, believers, right? Not those outside of the church, but those that are professing believers. We know that within his church, he has some people that rise up and they started teaching some false things. They left the church and, and John was, was just saying, the reason why they left was to show you that they were really not of us. In other words, they were truly not the child of God. And in 1 John 5, 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's kind of John's overarching statement for this letter, this 1 John letter. And it's amazing that here he, he's, he's talking to Christians, he says... You know, I'm writing these things so you could be assured of your salvation. And what was the book of John all about? I'm writing these things so that you may believe. So that's kind of John's ministry. I'm writing you these things in the book of John so that you may believe in Christ, the true Christ, true Jesus, who he is. And in 1 John, he said, okay, now let me, let me come around to you believers and, and help you have assurance of your salvation. So 1 John 4, 7 through 12 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
In this the love of God is made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this love, in, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Let me pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, for your help, for your spirit to work through me, Lord, and in each one that is hearing your word proclaimed today, Father God. Lord, I just pray, um, again, that we will be invited into what you have for us, Lord, that we, our hearts um, will be broken for our sin, that, that we will repent, Lord, that we will, Father, that, that your spirit will work in us to change us into your son's image. Father, we, we ask for your help, and we need it, and we need you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So John's argument through these three verses kind of be, can be laid out like this. We should love God because this is who or what God is, verses 7 and 8. Because this is how God revealed himself in his son, verses 9 through 11. Because this is how God revealed himself in his people, verse 12. We should love because this is who or what God is. Because this is how God revealed himself in his son. Because this is how God revealed himself in his people. So verses 7 and 8 say this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not, who, anyone that does not love does not know God, because God is love. So John grounds his appeal to love in the fact that love comes from God. He's calling us to, to love one another, and the ground for that is because, because love comes from God. All love comes from God. Because love comes from God, we see that even those who do not believe in Jesus as their Savior, even believe that they need a Savior, can still love. Because why? Because they're made in the image of God. Why is this the case? Again, because everyone is made in His image. All persons, in spite of their depravity and sinfulness, will give reflections of the one whose image they bear, although they may be faint reflections, or they may be reflections that are, we see the, the love of God, but maybe it's for their own good or for their own purposes. Also keep in mind that the word for love used here is a agape love. It's a, it's a different sense of the word love that we normally run into in our everyday lives. And it has a specific meaning. I know that some of you already know this, but maybe there's one here that, that doesn't know this, that the Bible uses three different kinds of love, right? It uses eros, which is kind of where we get the word erotic. Frankly, the most common love we see in an unbeliever uh, because it has the idea that it is a love that only takes. It's the love that only takes. I mean, as I've done marital counseling and talking about this, this, this is why the divorce rate is high. This is why we have so much um, problems in our marriages inside of church, outside of church, is because this idea of love is the love that only takes from people, right? It's, a, it's just kind of how our culture and 
we've learned to understand what love is. The second kind of love that the Bible uses is phileo, which is familiar love or brotherly love. This is, you know, within the family. This is the second most common, which we find, I think, in our culture today, in our world today, in the world around you today. And this is kind of a give and take love, right? You, you give a little bit, you take a little bit, you, you'll love your brother or sister, your mom and dad, even though they may ag- aggravate you. But if, you know, if someone comes against them, you're back, back in their court, so to speak. And, and so it's a give and take love. Like it's, that's blood. That's my sister. That's my brother. That's my mom, dad, uncle, what have you. It's a give and take love. But agape love, agape love is what John is using here all throughout his, his letter. It's a, a love that is volitional. In other words, it's a love that's purposeful. It's moving forward to someone. It is more about the will than the feelings. In other words, it, it's a, the kind of love that gets past you know, the, the feelings is it, whenever you're loving your enemy, if you think of it in that context, or well, how do you love your enemy? Because it's this kind of love. It's a, it's a love that's moving towards someone. It's a, it's a love from your will. And, and, the, and the wonderful truth about this is, is the idea that if this is the agape love that God is loving us with, then guess what? It, it's not whether or not we mess up or how many times we mess up that determines whether or not God has the right feelings for us. What God is saying is, is, I love you because it's my will to love you. That's a beautiful message. That is a beautiful thing to, to, deep, to hide deep in our hearts. Yes, we want to strive for righteousness. We want to strive to obey his word. But whenever we do stumble and fall, and we're going to stumble and fall, we can know, okay, God is still loving me, not because I did all the right things. And he doesn't love me any less because I stumbled and fell. But he's loving me because his will is to love me. And nothing can stop the will of God. I mean, that's, that's the wonderful assurance that John's talking about. That's assurance that, that, that really sits deep in, in my heart. Not only is John here talking about a specific kind of love... We also know that God's grace and goodness is shared in some measure with the whole of creation. In Matthew 5.45, For he makes his sun rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, this love that we may see outside of those that are believing is, is part of God's common grace. God gives us a lot of common grace that we see around us and we live in and we benefit from. And this passage points us to that common grace. That his reign isn't just, you know, his, his controlling the rain and, and making, um, cultivating crops so that we have food and, and water to drink it isn't just for all those that are just his children. He just, he reigns on everybody. So therefore, everybody has that. It's his common grace. And that's why we see this love all around us in many different ways. But is it the love that John is talking about here? However, I believe that I. Howard Marshall is correct when he says, human love, however noble and however highly motivated, falls short if it refuses to include the father and son as the supreme objects of its affection. 
Right? So this is go back to have no other gods before me, right? What we do is, is we, we direct our love to objects and things of this world so much so. And then what, what Mr. Marshall is trying to show us is, okay, whenever that kind of love there, that's not God honoring. And that's not the love that John is talking about here. And we, we all have those things. Every single one of us sitting here has something in our life that we love so much that it pulls us away from God. Everybody has it. It's, it's thankful that he gives us the word to point it out. He gives us a path of repentance. If we, we repent of our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He gives us brothers and sisters in Christ to walk along with that may be pointing out these blind spots. But this is what he's pointing us to. That if the love that you have, the love that you're expressing, does it not have its ultimate end, supreme object, uh, is Father and the Son, then it's misguided love. But the, for those who are born again, we have been given a new nature. Right? So those that, that are now born again, those who have repented and God has saved them, has changed them, they now have a new nature, God's nature. And because we have a new nature, we should love with this agape love. Why? Because God is love. That's what John told us. God is love. This is why John gives us the warning yet again in verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God. That's a, that's a hard, hard scripture. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Now, do we get angry and, and, and do we get upset and do we act unloving? Oh, well, yes, we do. So he's not saying that, oh, if I've had one of those this past week, and I bet you we've all probably most likely had one of those instances, then it doesn't mean that, oh, that means I don't know God. No, he says this consistent, ongoing, living out, long-term look at your life, not just short moments, if there's no love there, if you're not progressing in, in, in turning from the things of the world and turning to the things of God, if you're not progressing along that path, then are you truly born again? How, do you truly love? Because the love for the brothers and sisters in Christ, which he's calling us for, and the love of God and the love for his story will change our lives. They will not look like they did before we're saved, and they will not look like the brothers and sisters or the, sorry, the, the people around us that are not saved, they should look drastically different. How we spend our time, how we spend our money, what we do with our talents, it should look different. Because in all those things is we're expressing our love to others. So this warning he gives us to know God, not just to know about him, but to know him intimately because his spirit dwells in you. And if God is love and he dwells in you, then you must love. You must love. It's part of the spirit. It's part of who he is. He's changed us. We're born again. We're new creatures in Christ. This is John's argument. This is what he's saying. This is an evidence that we could hang on. And we can't, brother, guys, don't hang this on this, you know, well, I had a bad three days. That means that, that you know, this isn't true of me anymore. Well, start questioning your salvation. This is, a, this is one of the reasons why he wrote this letter is so that you will have insurance. Look, look at the long term. 
Don't, don't look at the last two weeks. Look at yourself six months ago or a year ago and see how much is different today than it was back then. Then you have some kind of understanding and, and can point to, well, yeah, okay, I am growing. Okay, I, you know, I'm changing. I'm more like him. I'm loving more. And again, let me just take a moment to send up my own warning here, as John warned us in verse 8, that we cannot live our lives however we want, just because this idea that God is love. That, that's like permeating uh, many, the, just the culture and you know, this idea of anybody that talks about God, well, God is love. And then, then they'll even say, well, the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament, the Testament is God of wrath. And the God of the New Testament is God is love. Because God is love, then I can go and live however I want. But John is saying differently here. Sin however we want and just proclaim like many do, God is love and it's all okay. We can't do that. I think many of us... Um, Many of the false prophets that John talked about last week have used this truth that God is love to form a God in their own image. Again, as we talked about last week, just a, a little bit, if the God that you worship never disagrees with you, you've probably made a God in your own image. And it's not the God of the Bible, right? And many times that, that they proclaim, because, see, it's much easier to just say if, if I'm trying to, to fill this building, it's much easier to, tell, to come in and tell you how awesome you are and, and to tell you that God loves you and he has wonderful plans for you, which is, which is true, by the way. But anyway, and just fill you full of all that and never talk about sin and never talk about the hard things of the Bible and never to kind of pry into your life and make you feel uncomfortable a little bit. Because that's part of sanctification, right? It's going to, you're going to suffer a little bit to be sanctified, but, but the end result is, is so much better than just filling our heads with, oh, I feel so awesome, so that, that you can go back out and, and let the world crush that. Because, see, one day, when, whenever your God is that small, one day you're going to get the diagnosis that you have cancer, or one day that, that you and your spouse might, might have to go through the, the tragedy of, of, of losing a little child. Then if your God is that small, you'll never get through that. But if you have a great big God, the God that, that is love, and to understand all aspects of him, you can get through that and find your way through that. Again, I think so many people are promoting this, this God is love and that's all he is. But you know what? The Bible says something different. What do you mean, Joe? Scripture gives us in the New Testament for God is within the Scripture. John gives us three of them and Hebrews gives us one of them, right? John says right here in this Passage, I mean, within this book of 1 John, what does he say? He says, God is light, right? God is light. God is holy. God is other than. God is without sin. God can be nowhere close to sin. God it has no evil in him. God is light. Now, he just told us God is love. God is love. This agape love, this willful love where he's loving us. And then in John 4... 
24, we read this, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and it's true. So God is light, God is love, God is spirit. That's, that's all great. But then we have the Hebrew text. And what does the Hebrew text tells us in 1229? For our God is a consuming fire. That's who God is. He's love, he's light, he's a spirit, he's a consuming fire. Among many other things, we could do a 26-week on God's, you know, series on God's attributes, but just here in the New Testament, whenever, you know, John's saying God is love, God is light. He says in, in John 4, God is spirit. Now he's saying in, in Hebrews 12, 29, for God is a consuming fire. All of them in the New Testament. We didn't have to go back to the Old Testament to find God's wrath because that's what it's talking about. That he is a consuming fire. An essential part of God's moral perfection is his hatred of sin. He hates sin. He has to. Why? Because he's light. Right? Do you see that? He has to hate sin because God is light. So he's a consuming fire. A.W. Pink asserts the wrath of God is the holiness of God stirred into activity. So the holiness of God is God is light. The wrath of God is the holiness of God stirred into activity against sin. God is a consuming fire who feels indignation every day toward the wicked. God has hated wickedness. And his anger toward all that is contrary to his perfect character. He will therefore destroy sinners in the day of judgment. That's what it means to be a consuming fire. That one day he has set the day where everybody will be judged by his son. And those that are not in Christ that are born again will be sent to hell. They will be destroyed. That's what it means to be a consuming fire. So we can't just live off of this God is love, God is love, God is love. We must see all of God. We can't pick and choose parts of God we like. Because if we pick and choose the parts of God we like, what have we done? We've created a God in our own image that will never disagree with us. And now we're not worshiping the God of the Bible. And that is a very, very bad thing. Dodd reminds us, he's another theologian, the essential truths of God's being must always be held together. They must always be held together. Can we sin and just say God is love, I am good? No, because he is light and he is a consuming fire. God is so far from accepting sin. However, get this, this is how much he wants to be with you. His love... Listen to this. His love found a way to expose sin because he is light and to consume it because he is fire without destroying the sinner because he is love. Because he is love. His love has found a way to expose sin because he is light and to consume it because he is fire without destroying the sinner because he is is love. How does he do this? How in the world does he do this? Well, he does this by answering the second question, the, the second part of our outline, because God has revealed himself in his son. 
He revealed himself in his son. This is how he has showed his love. He revealed himself in his son. And in verses 9 through 11, it says this, In this the love of God has made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It is one thing to talk about love. It is something else to show love. The God of the Bible is not just a talking God. He is an acting God, a doing God, and a serving God. What did he do? He sent his only son into the world. He sent his only son, the second member of the Trinity, into the world. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he do this? So that we may live through him. And this refers back to the consuming fire. How are we escaping that consuming fire? Through Jesus. The consuming fire for your sins still came down. It just didn't come down on you. It came down on Christ On the cross. It came down on Christ. On the cross. God sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Which quenches the fire on our behalf. Love means forgiving the sins of the beloved. And remembering them no more. That's what he does. His consuming fire fell on his son that he sent so that we may see God and know God. That way we can spend eternity with him because we've got to be like him because he is light. This is what God has done for rebellious mankind. He pardons their sins against himself at his own cost. That's love. That's love. He pardons the our sins against himself at his own cost. When our sin is removed, then we can truly know God. We can truly know him. How does any man or woman come to know God? Well, he shows us. He just told us. God's love was made manifest among us. Jesus made him known. Jesus made him known. He made him known to all of us. We read about him in Scripture, but he made himself known to those that saw him and walked with him. Remember that John starts out this letter whenever he says that we were there, we saw him, we touched him, we were with him, we were taught by him. This is Sam's passage. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. He, Jesus, has made him God known. God came in Jesus Christ that people may know him. First John 4 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If he loved us, we should love one another. If 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 the consuming fire was taken by Christ to show God's love for us, then we should be loving one another. We should love because this is how God reveals himself in 
his people. This is verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And and I've spent a lot of time about that idea. How in the world is God's love perfected in us? Now, NIV, if you have NIV, it might say God's love is made complete in us. It's like, wait a minute. God is perfect. His love is perfect, but somehow he's saying that, that we are a part of making his love perfected in us. How is this working? John says it again. No one has ever seen God. His answer to this is let them come see us. Right? Jesus isn't walking the earth today. But what John is pointing us to, what John is saying is, let them come see us, the church. That's what he's talking about. Let them come see the love we have for one another. And in doing that, whenever we love one another with this agape love within inside the faith family to our brothers and sisters, what we are doing is we are revealing God to the unbelieving world. That's what John is trying to show us. That's what he's inviting us into. That's what he's calling us to, is to love one another. Because God abides in us, his love is perfected in us. That is an astonishing statement. God's love perfected in us, or made complete in us. So he's, he's saying that, that how, is, how is God made known today? It's the love that we show one for another. is going to, to show the world around us that, that do, does not believe who God is. That he is a God of love. The perfection of the expression of the love of God Almighty is to be seen on earth in the body of his church. It's to be seen among us. How we love one another, how we treat one another, how we serve one another. Alistair Begg says it this way. When those who are a rag bag of weird individuals fall in love with Jesus Christ... To such a degree, they cannot help but to fall in love with one another in a way that is actually tangible for the world to get a hold of. That's what he's calling us to. This kind of love. An invisible God is made visible by the love we show one for another. An invisible God is made visible by the love we show one for another. What would it look like? Well, it would look like prayerfulness. Because God's children love to talk to their father and spend time with their father. They would look at, they would look as like zeal and evangelism. Why? Because Jesus said that in, this is the reason why he left us on earth. Go therefore make disciples. That's why he left us on earth. It's so that, that we would gather together with those around us that are brothers and sisters in Christ and we would be loving one another in such a way that it would be compelling to the world, but we also have to speak the good news of what Christ has done. So prayerfulness, zeal and evangelism, we would, we would gather together and we would go against and go for and help out social concerns. Jesus said, clothe the naked, 
feed the hungry, take care of the orphans and the widows. As we love one another and be on mission. So that we would live out day by day who you are as those who are born of God. If God is love and he's dwelling in us, then we are to be people of love. We should naturally want to love one another, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then Jesus takes it up a notch and says, okay, you got to love your enemies. you got to love everybody. But of course, John is talking to the believers. So he's talking to those that are, that are believers that are within this congregation. That the love that we show one for another is so tangible that it makes God known to the world that doesn't believe. It doesn't yet believe. John Stott says it well. Mutual Christian love is the evidence that the unseen God who was once revealed in his son is now revealed in his people when they love one another. When they love one another. We should love because this is who or what God is. Because this is how God revealed himself in his son. Because this is how God reveals himself in his people. So, why do we have the desire to create content and broadcast it to the world? Because there's only one story happening, brothers and sisters. There's only one story happening all over the world. It's happening at the same time. And that is one thing. It is a loving God seeking his children to redeem them. It's the only story that's happening. And what God is saying is, will you join in to the story? Will you join into that story and, and double down and, and love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Those that, that are members of this church, we've signed a covenant to pretty much say that. Will you, will you step into this story? The only story that's happening. Yeah, we have all these sub-stories that's happening, but God is using all of it to do one thing. There is one story happening in this world. There is one story happening, and that is a loving God redeeming his children to himself. So what happens is the church is God's audio and video presentation of God to a dying culture. That's what the church becomes. God's audio and video presentation of God to a dying culture. And everyone around us, if we're loving one another, should desire to push the like button 120 million times because they're looking at us and simply saying, I don't understand the way these people live. I just don't understand it. And we have the easiest answer in the world. Well, let me tell you about this man named Jesus. And let me tell you what he's done to redeem him. What he's done to redeem you back to God. Will you enter into that story today? Will you enter into that story today? And love one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. Father, we thank you that, that you love us so much that you sent your son to take care of our biggest problem, which is sin.
And Lord, we know you through him. And today you're calling us to enter into your story. As we love one another, that the unbelieving world around us may see you. And as we declare the good news, they may know you. This should be the the story that we want to be a part of. It should be the story of our lives. How are we doing this? How are we ordering our lives in such a way that this is our story? Father, I just pray for our help. I know I need help in this. I need help to learn how to love better and more purposefully. Lord, I just pray that all that are hearing this message, that you, through your Spirit, will ask them that question. Will you enter into my story? Lord, I pray that answer is yes. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.